Well, this week we began a new sermon series. I bet you thought I couldn't preach on anything else, didn't you? Um, We're going to begin and we're going to spend the next eight or nine weeks in the Gospel of Mark. And the sermon series is entitled Remarkable. The word remarkable comes from two French words, remarqué, which means uh, good to talk about, to notice, and habla, which means worthy of note. And so the Gospel of Mark is worthy for us to spend a few weeks in because most people believe that Matthew and Luke used Mark as a resource when they wrote their own accounts of the story of Jesus. Now, why is it that they think that? Well, because there are only 24 verses that are in Mark that aren't in the other Gospels. So, uh, either all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, used a resource that we haven't found yet, or Matthew and Luke had Mark as a resource, and they began to write something of their own story and filling in some of the blanks that, that Mark may have left out, that Mark didn't uh, feel like were important. Uh, Mark wrote his gospel, we believe, sometime between 68 and 71 A.D., and he wrote it during a time when there was lots of turmoil going on in the world. Uh, Nero had burned Rome and uh, uh, blamed it on the Christians because he wanted to rebuild Rome to his own liking, and so he blamed it on the early Christian people. And in fact, he began to uh, kill uh, the early Christians for his own amusement as a part of that. And also another thing that happened in this time, the Jews decided to revolt against the Roman Empire in Israel, and they had some early successes, but they quickly, Rome sent in more reinforcement and more soldiers, and before it was all said and done, Rome had killed about a million Jews and Jewish Christians to silence their revolt. And so Mark is trying to write a book and speak into this turmoil that's going on in the world and saying, hey, no matter what's happening, no matter uh, what you're experiencing or encountering, our God is still more powerful. Our God is still stronger than this God. And so Mark was trying to write something quickly to get it into the hands of people so that they would know in these uncertain days you can trust our God to help get us through. And so that's a little bit of the story behind uh, the Gospel of Mark. In our scripture lesson this morning, Jesus comes to be baptized, but there's only one problem with Jesus coming to be baptized. It's that Jesus doesn't need to be baptized. If you look at the gospel, you see that it says that John uh, was preparing the way for the Lord, that John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But as far as we know, Jesus never sinned, not even once. And so there would be no reason for Jesus to repent, and there would be no reason for Jesus to experience a baptism of repentance. And so this has perplexed scholars throughout the ages. Why in the world did Jesus allow himself to be baptized uh, if Jesus himself did not sin? Scholars have concluded that the only reason that makes sense for Jesus being baptized is because he was trying to give credibility to John the Baptist. That when John the Baptist says, I have come to prepare the way of the Lord, uh, that, that that was true. 
And, and so Jesus allowed himself to be baptized to give credibility to John the Baptist and also to identify with this desire of God that we who are so prone to turn away from God need to confess our sin and repent and turn back to God. And so this baptism is an important outward and visible symbol of when we turn back to God, when we, when we allow ourselves to be claimed by God as God's children, uh, that's what's happening in this baptism. And, and Jesus also wanted to be clear that He was yielding Himself wholly and completely to this God, to, to God the Father. And so that's what's happening here in the scripture. So Jesus goes under the water to be baptized. When he comes up out of the water, we're told that immediately the heavens are torn apart and immediately the spirit descends like a dove upon Jesus and that we hear the voice from heaven saying, you are my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. And then Mark tells us immediately after this wonderful life-defining moment for Jesus, when he is claimed by God, when God expresses God's love to him, that this same Spirit who descended like a dove then drives or forces Jesus out into the wilderness where he is tempted for 40 days by the devil, by Satan. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about uh, the devil or when you're tempted by the devil. I don't know what your devil looks like. My devil has on red spandex, a pitchfork, and looks like Jim Clardy. I mean, it's just like... Um, <laughs> Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Yeah, nice knowing you. He, he'll be preaching in a few weeks. i got a feeling this might come back to haunt me. No, I don't know what you think about when you think about being tempted by the devil. I don't know exactly what Jesus saw or experienced when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. But I know that for me personally, when I am tempted, it's usually this small voice that's inside my head who's trying to get me to do things that I know in my heart of heart and in my mind that God wouldn't want me to do, or that's trying to get me not to do things that I know in my mind and my heart of hearts that God would want me to do. It's this competing voice that's constantly going on in my head. It's the voice of God beckoning me and calling me to do something or to not do something, and then there's another small voice trying to get me to do exactly the opposite to what I believe that the voice of God is calling me to do. And that begs the question, which voice will we listen to? Which voice will we listen to? Now, I know that there are some people that have some mental illness where they, they, they are really hearing voices, competing voices. And I, I'm not talking about that. I'm not trying to diminish that. That's a very, very serious illness. And, and, and we all know people who have been uh, affected by that. But, but I think that every single person in this room has competing voices that are going on from time to time where we're, we're tempted to do something and yet 
we know that we shouldn't. Or we're tempted not to do something and, and we know that we should. I believe that we all have those competing voices. I mean, just in the news this past week, there was that uh, University of Utah girl who was killed by someone. And um, I just have to believe that there was some sort of voice in that man's head, and he listened to the wrong voice because I know that the Spirit of God was also trying to intervene in that life and in that tragic situation. We all have these voices, and that's an extreme example, but, but there are these competing voices that are constantly going on in our head. And I believe that's what was happening to Jesus here in our text this morning. Uh, Jesus has just heard the voice of God saying, You are God's Son, the Beloved with whom I am well pleased. And the next thing you know, the devil is trying to place some seeds of doubt into the mind of Jesus. Are you really God's Son? I mean, can you, can you prove that, that God's really pleased with you? I, I mean, how do you really know that God is pleased with you? And, and the voice is trying to tempt Jesus into doing things that Jesus would know on some level that God does not want Jesus to do. In Mark's gospel, we're not even told what those temptations were. But if you look in Matthew and Luke, I suspect that after they read that, they thought, well, Mark, you should have included exactly what those temptations were. And so in those gospels, we are told what those temptations were. One of them was turn stones into bread if you are the Son of God. It was as if he was being tempted to use whatever power had been given to him by God for his own self-serving purposes instead of for the reasons that God had sent Jesus into the world. And so that competing voice was saying, hey, if you're really God's son, show it by taking care of yourself. And then there was another uh, temptation that the gospel writers tell us about, that, that uh, Jesus is at the pinnacle of the temple, and, and the devil says, why don't you jump from here? And if you jump, then maybe the angels of God will come and spare you so that you will not fall to the ground and die. The devil was inviting Jesus to do something that on some level Jesus knew was not a part of the plan that God had for him when God sent him to earth. And so he was tempted not to follow and not to obey God's will for his life, but to do something in an effort to appease the devil. And then the third temp temptation uh, that we're told about in the other Gospels is that um, the devil offered Jesus all the wealth and all the power of the world if he would just bow down to him, if, if he would just uh, turn away from God's mission that God had for Jesus and would instead surrender to the evil one. Competing voices. Jesus had to have really been tempted by these voices or else it wouldn't be a temptation at all. I suspect that Jesus was wrestling with, do I listen to the will of God, the voice of God, or do I listen to this other competing voice 
in my head. And I want to suggest to you that we all have those competing voices. I know I do every single day. I'm faced with the competing voices to be either selfish or selfless. I'm competing with a voice that I really need to love people the way that God loves them or have a voice that's saying don't love them, don't like them, maybe even hate them. I have this competing voice every single day of my life. Do I live life on my terms and in my way? Or do I live life on God's terms and for God's way? Which voice will we listen to? That's the invitation that I have for you as we begin this sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. To... Join me in reading through this wonderful book. It's only 16 chapters long. And each week we'll lift up one of those uh, pericopes, those scripture passages, and we'll preach on it. But listen for the voice of God.